AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. The grain and soy markets have fallen from their daily highs. We'll explore the impetus for all this volatility in today's program. And I'm actually kind of beginning to wonder after today's price performance if some technical damage has maybe been done. Live from a Lorna Doonesday via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll talk with Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady and directly following the news, Brian Split from AgMarket.net. I'm filling in for Chip. It's me, your whelmingly capable host, Davis Michelson here for you, usually the handsome newsman, and we will have handsome news for you. But Chip is traveling. In case you missed the morning show this morning um, or the last couple of shows anytime, really, you uh, you may not know. Chip is not with us at the moment. He's uh, They've arrived. I've heard from uh, at least Big Apple has arrived in Louisiana. They are exploring the shipping avenues in and out of the Gulf Coast this week. We will be down uh, in Louisiana live with them um, from a port location, and I'm I'm not quite sure exactly what port location they will be at or whatever, so I'm just leaving it sort of vague at that. Chip will fill us in with all of the details there on that, I'm sure. Um, but it's very exciting. You might recall he went to Seattle a week and a half ago or so. He's uh, we're, I don't know if they're going to turn this into a tour. Or what? I mean, maybe they wind up on the East Coast at some point. I don't know. I don't know. Shipping is a big deal. Exports are a big deal. Um, and in fact, uh, these are some of the things that I do want to talk with about Brian, uh, with Brian Grady in today's show. Been a bunch of concern for export demand. Um, I have some numbers out of China here that I'd like to run past Brian, see what he makes of it. Um, the, the totals for the first 10 months of this year, um, as far as soybean exports to China goes, are running somewhere in the neighborhood of 14% ahead of the same time last year. Uh, I'm wondering if that makes Brian feel good or if it's maybe not quite enough. I don't know. It's it's hard to know. So we'll, uh, we'll dig into that. As I mentioned in the intro, some crazy volatility today. Uh, soybean meal, I think, is probably the bullseye for if we're looking for blame here. Not that it had a a down day. In fact, soybean meal was up on the day, but it cut gains by nearly half. And at that point, the soybeans, which were following to the upside, the corn market, which was to some degree following to the upside, and even some contracts of wheat were following to the upside, and it all just fell apart at that point. I'll, I'll break it down here. As we go along, once again, Brian Grady um, in today's show is our guest. And then we've got Brian Split coming up with Market Action directly following the news here. So let's go. Wheat futures were mixed in early trade. By the closing bell, all three flavors of wheat had fallen into negative territory. According to scientists of the Academy of Agrarian Sciences of Ukraine, Ukrainian winter crops sown for the 2024 harvest should be able to survive the winter and may produce a good harvest. December SRW futures extended above the 40-day moving average of 576 and above resistance at 580 and one quarter. 
Before retreating to post a mid to low range close, December hard red winter wheat futures were 13 and one quarter cents lower, 632 and a half. December soft red wheat down five and a half cents to 570 and one quarter. December spring wheat close at 724 and one quarter. That's down four and one half cents today. And, uh, the, the song is similar for the, uh, the corn and the soybeans as well. Corn futures sprang to a positive start early, but backed away from those early gains on pressure from outside markets. WTI crude oil futures have skidded more than three bucks lower this session. Uh, that's a wet blanket on grains and oil seeds today. Estimates for 23-24 corn acreage and output in Brazil's largest ag-producing state of Mato Grosso have been downgraded. That's due to low corn prices and delays in soybean planting, according to the state's Ag Institute. Here at home, December corn closed below initial support, fueling downside momentum. December corn futures eight and three quarters lower, 468 and one half. March corn slid nine cents lower to 483 and one half. May corn futures closed at 493 and one quarter, down eight and three quarters. I do want Brian Grady to check my numbers here. December corn, I have it closing below initial support. And to me, that just feels like a, uh, a green flag for downside momentum in the corns. We'll see what Brian makes of it. Soybean futures rose sharply in early trade. Sound familiar? Notching double-digit gains in nearbys. An aggressive upside run in the soybean meal supported the rally in beans. But when meal ran out of steam and reversed, the bottom fell out of soybean futures as well. USDA reported daily soybean sales of 110,000 metric tons for delivery to China during the 23-24 marketing year. USDA estimated soybean harvest 91% complete as of Sunday. That's five percentage points ahead of the five-year average. January soybean futures two cents lower, 13.62. March beans down four and one half cents to 13.74. May beans closed at 13.85. That's down six cents today. We were up into the high double digits, the, the high teens, um, as far as the gains went in the soybean complex. And now we finish below unchanged. December cotton was down 152 points to 76.48 on your livestocks. December fat cattle worked to regain a portion of Monday's losses after edging lower early in today's session, but solid technical resistance capped gains. Last week's average cash cattle price rose 87 cents from the previous week to 184.89. December live cattle futures down 255, 178.77 and one half, and Novi feeders down 495 today. To close at 232.22 and one half. And lean hog futures were mostly higher in today's trade on a surge in wholesale values, including a $15 jump in bellies. December hogs 50 cents higher today, 72.90. The Jan or February contract up seven and one half cents to close at 76.02 and one half. And with that, let's bring in Brian Split from agmarket.net. Brian, how you doing today? I am doing A-OK, -okay, better than commodities. Yeah, I was going to say, dude, we we looked like we were going to have a pretty decent day, and then it all sort of fell apart. Um, did they all kind of fall apart following bean meal? Is is that what set this off? Uh, you know, I, I think there's a couple of things at play. I just, in general, commodities were uh, under pressure today. Energies, crude oil down three and a half bucks, you know, RBOB down eight cents, heating oil's down 12, net gas down. Most of the soft markets were lower metal sharply lower. So it just was not a good day in commodity land. Uh, I think on the beans, uh, very simply put, there's a downtrend on January beans uh, from the July high to the August high uh, that came in today at 1378. We went 1380 and then uh, rolled over from there. So we did hit some technical resistance. 
Uh, we rallied a buck ten off the October lows. We've got a report in two days. And I think, um, you know, maybe the trade's wondering if they've bid off enough uh, prior to seeing these numbers. And I, I think, uh, you know, unless the USDA lowers soybean yield on the report on Thursday, um, you know, materially, we've probably made a, a bit of a high and we could very well go back and take a look at 13 bucks pretty quickly, uh, especially if they, uh, you know, take yield up a couple tenths of a bushel. Corn has a new low close, um, so that's not a good sign. Uh, most of these major monthly lows in corn have come across a, a line below the market. Uh, July lows um, uh, last year, May lows this year, July lows this year, August lows, September lows. Uh, so if we go down and hit that line over the next couple of days, it's about 10 cents lower from here. Um, let's not forget September corn had expired at 462 and a half, and it made uh, some lows at that 455 and three quarter area. So that's probably where these corn wants to go before uh, bouncing again. All right. All right. Well, we'll ride it out and hope for the best. Brian Split from agmarket.net. Thanks, pal. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. And when we come back, we will have uh, Brian Grady from Pro Farmer. We're going to talk the super wide swings today. We're going to talk meal, um, China, uh, South American growing conditions, yada, yada, yada. Oh, livestock, USDA reports, AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. This is a long-distance dedication out to the good professor himself. Jim, hope you're all right. Haven't heard from you in a while. Although I haven't checked Twitter or X or whatever it is now in quite a while, quite some time. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here. This, uh, just from Chip, I sent out a, I sent a text out. Dude, what port are we talking about here? The port of South Louisiana. Uh, Chip and Big Apple Joe are down there, um, visiting the port of South Louisiana and will be reporting live on the ground with dignitaries and, uh, smart guys from down around, uh, around the port there. We'll be looking forward to that tomorrow morning and then we'll be back to our regular schedule on Thursday. Everything is completely normal, uh, after today i guess anyway let's bring in brian grady editor of pro farmer brian uh thanks for hopping on here lots went on today i got a lot of questions uh, i hope you can help me figure some of this out sure we'll give her a shot davis Glad i don't know that, en- that enthusiasm was a little whelming bro <laughs> i gotta <laughs> i, I want to start here because we talked this morning uh, at the bottom of the hour break in the morning show about the markets like we do you know every day um, and you were talking about that outside market influence. We had a down day. 
uh, in the corn, beans, and wheat. And if I look over to the WTI and I scroll just a little bit so I get it in the right place here, we're down 351 in the Ds to 77.31. Um, I, I don't want to get you out into a spot where you you don't feel comfortable speaking to. But I thought war in the Middle East was was going to make the I mean, even before the war, before uh, the Gaza attack and all of that stuff, we were people were talking about one hundred dollar crude oil. Today, we sit at seventy seven thirty one here at, at two o'clock in the afternoon. What gives? Well, um, you know, if you look back, I'll use the wheat market as an example during the mm-hmm. Russia Ukraine situation uh, early on, and, and you know, you get the knee jerk reaction, and, and prices shoot up uh, pretty significantly, and then more reality hits, and and uh, you you come back from those levels, and and we're in that process right now. But you know, it's not just crude oil, uh, crude. Uh, obviously is a major component within the commodity complex, but uh, um, just commodities in general took a, a bath today. I mean, a heavy, heavy pressure. Um, U.S. dollar was stronger. And, and so pretty much all the outside markets pointed us down. And, and uh, in days like that, you'll see stuff that happens in the grain and soy markets uh, like today, livestock like today, a few exceptions. Um, you know, with uh, with the front end of the hog market being won there, but uh, even even hogs closed uh, relatively poorly today, given what yeah. they'd done earlier. Uh, cotton market uh, faced heavy pressure, and and so this was broad based, and and a lot of it's macroeconomic, and it's driven by um, some negative data out of China and 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 those types of things, and and uh, so broad macro sell off is is basically the bottom line from today. Okay, you you as an analyst, you've been you've been in this business an awful long time, um, and often we we talk about analog years. And let me ask you, as as an analyst, when thinking about analog years, okay, we can think about weather, we can think about yield, we can think about you know maybe this sort of weather pattern or something like that. But when it comes to black swan influences, like you know an invasion in Israel or like a Ukraine thing do you figure those those things in or do you ignore those and say no if i'm going to go on analog year and i'm going to compare this to you know whatever 1854 i'm going to take all the the other things out and just compare the weather and the yield type of stuff how do you do that how do you get your head around it well uh you can never never account for a black swan event that's why it's a black swan event right i mean you you don't know when it's going to happen and, and what it'll be um, it's just something that that happens that uh, has a tendency to shake up markets and, and things like that. Uh, uh, I touched on earlier that uh, you usually get a knee jerk reaction in the market, whether it's bullish, bearish, whatever the case may be. And then as time goes on, reality sets in. And, and uh, so, you know, we, we've had quite a few of those here. Uh, COVID. Yeah. Um, uh, then we had the Russia Ukraine, uh, the Israeli situation and, and, and everything. But uh, and and, you know, just ranking them they would rank in in those order in that mm-hmm. same order um covid obviously had the the biggest and longest uh impact of those three and then followed by russia ukraine and then the israel gaza situation right now mm-hmm. so when we're in an environment where the market is willing to chase those headlines but we get flash in the pan rallies it feels fairly logical that rallies should be rewarded can we talk about that as a blanket statement before we dive dive into the markets individually here no absolutely yeah no if the market's going to react in a knee-jerk fashion 
Yeah. Um, you should sell the knee jerk uh, when it's bullish and and uh, um, probably not panic as much uh, when it's bearish. And, and mm-hmm. you know, those uh, pretty, you know, it, it can be difficult to do. Um, you kind of have to filter out the, the noise, so to speak. But, uh, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't think the, the Israel-Gaza situation right now is um, – is a factor as much as as China and and what's happening with the global economy and and those okay. types of things. I I think that that's the far bigger issue from a macroeconomic perspective right now is just worries about China. Let's let's keep in mind China is the world's number one consumer of virtually every commodity, and um, so it matters a lot. And um, when there's cracks in the wall in in China, um, then you know, there's there's concern on the commodity side of things. And I think that's coming to roost right now. Um, you know, every time it looks like China's economy is stabilizing and, and maybe taking a step forward, we get more data that, that tells us, uh, no, it's not. And, and right. uh, we have more headwinds to face. And, and, you know, some of the trade data that was out while the imports, Chinese imports were up last month, uh, its, its exports were really poor. So that yeah. tells us a couple things that, uh, um you know, if that remains the case, uh, China won't have to import as many goods to make other things to export. Uh, and it tells us that the, the global demand is just poor at the moment. And, and uh, so that's that's an ongoing concern. Uh, you know, you look to the biggest trading partners, the United States, obviously, and, and our economy is doing well. Um, but uh, that isn't the case everywhere. And, and Europe is, is a major trading, the Eurozone, a major trading partner for, for China as well and, and uh, concerns there. Um, and, and so I, I just think that the broad macroeconomics, uh, the main focus right now is on China. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had uh, in Pro Pharma this morning through the first 10 months of this year, China imported 82 and change million metric tons of beans up 14.6% from the same period last year. Is that the sort of year-to-year growth we would expect to see? Is that 14.6% above the same time last year uh, a good number? Should we be yeah, optimistic well, it, about it that? It is, obviously. No. Yeah, obviously. And, and China's uh, expected to, in 2023 calendar year to import a record number of soybeans. And, and so on pace for that, uh, that's the, the headline, the Underlying is that uh, Brazil has accounted for the bulk of those soybean exports and uh, to China, and and so, um, you know, it, just record crop and and uh, yeah, Brazil actively exported soybeans to China, and and uh, um, the U.S. is a, a distant second uh, on that mm-hmm. front, and and so that's really um, you know some of the the concern as we move forward. Um, now, you know, we have to keep an eye on, on uh, Brazil's crop and, and it won't be as big as what was once thought. It could still be record large, but uh, it won't be as big as what was once thought because of, of the rough start to the growing season down there. Um, but, you know, keep in mind, it's the equivalent of about June. Uh, this isn't we aren't talking like July or, or August or even September uh, for that matter. So if the weather would turn around in Brazil, um, you know, they could stood really well on their their production for soybeans and for corn for that matter but uh, uh i think corn is is a bigger issue or a bigger concern in in brazil especially the safrina crop which will be planted after soybeans are harvested uh that, that's probably the number one concern in brazil right now so any any delays in that soybean harvest is going to then in turn <laughs> keep the giving going and delay that safrina corn planting hmm. 
What so absolutely, what, and I, I think that that, like I said, that's the biggest concern. So, so soybeans obviously have a big planting window anyway in Brazil, uh, pushing them back and in, in the early heat and dryness that they've seen through central areas, the the excessive rains and flooding that they've seen in southern areas, uh, those are concerns. Uh, but there's still time. But what this does is it pushes everything back on the the cycle. Um, for Brazil. And, and so their soybean harvest will be pushed back, which delays mm. the safrina corn planting. And the, the timing of the safrina corn planting is probably much more monumental in terms of the impacts than, than what the uh, delays in the soybean planting are. We're going to come up quick on a break here, but uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about because of the transition from La Nina to El Nino that the success among those South American growers who have produced a record crop is because of that transition weather pattern. If we're into an El Nino, it may be different next year. Are you of the same mind? Well, uh, the La Nina brought uh, some heat and dryness last year, obviously. Uh, Argentina was impacted. And, and so uh, there are some benefits to, to flip into an El Nino. It's just that you got that changeover uh, and the different regions that are impacted down there. Indeed. All right, we're, t- we're talking with Brian Grady. We've talked about the whole wide world. We're going to talk about the corn, bean, wheat markets. We're going to talk about the livestock markets when we come back and make sure that we've got you covered and all up to speed. It's your pal, Davis Michelson. So glad to be here with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's AgriTalk. Don't go away. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where December hard red winter wheat futures were 13 and one quarter cents lower, 632 and one half. December SRW wheat softened five and one half cents to 570 and one quarter. December corn futures were eight and three quarters lower, 468 and one half. March corn slid nine cents lower to 483 and one half. January beans two cents lower, 1362. March beans declined four and one half cents to 1374. December cotton was down 152 points to 76.48 today. December fat cattle futures plummeted to 55 to 178.77 and one half. Novi feeders fell 495 to close at 232.22 and a half. And December lean hogs 50 cents higher, 72.98. Get more market news every market day. Just go to tryprofarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, Timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. I know who's since they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Don't do the CB voice. Don't do the CB voice. Don't do the CB voice. <laughs> 
Ah, I just couldn't help it. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson. When the flurry's away, the newsman will play. Am I right? Am I right? Glad you're along for the ride here. I've got Brian Grady. Um, we've finished a discussion about some of the bigger outside influences here. Brian, let me bring you back in, buddy. Uh, appreciate you taking the time this afternoon. Before we move on and sort of dig in, you know what? Let's let's go to livestock next. Um, before we change topics, so anything else you want to cover on anything we spoke about in that in that segment just then? Are we good? No, we're good. Uh, you know, we'll cover livestock and then probably do uh, reports uh, for Thursday and, and stuff sure. like that. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, well, let's... That'll pretty much cover all the bases. I think so. Uh, bro, if I look at the feeder cattle, the wor- the further out you look, the worse it gets. November 23, down 495 today. Okay, that's bad enough. Look at the May 24, down 587 and a half today. Now, still up at 24037 and a half on that May 24 contract. Um, talk to me about the uh, the cattle market today. Yeah, well, they got caught up in the the broader uh, sell off, and and uh, you know I I think that that's probably the the thing we tried to work higher initially this morning on on mm-hmm. some corrective buying, and boy that just got slapped in the face and and it turned into a really ugly day. Um, but you know downtrends are in place now in in both live cattle and feeders, and and uh, so uh, once what was once the most bullish of the ag commodities uh yeah. you know is now looking at a, a reversal here and and uh the bears are starting to to show a little bit the, okay so talk to me about the seasonals with this it, it seems about right maybe well seasonally we should be pretty strong uh for cattle futures um you know as we you know and, and just from a cyclical standpoint we're tightening up supplies and and so um the components are there uh especially for the the fat cattle or or live cattle futures that uh um we can make a potentially a run to a new all-time high uh either you know probably not now in in late 23 um time's running out here but uh um possibly in in 24 uh from a supply side uh, demand uh, concerns are, are starting to rear and and while we haven't really seen that play through on on a lot of the data um the that we can track with demand and, and things like that but uh, um I, I think that those concerns are are there the the broader macro concerns and and as a result uh um, you're seeing this liquidation and, and these are long-standing long positions keep that in mind uh mm-hmm. the, some of the longest uh, long positions that that were held in the the commodity complex were in cattle uh, and boy guys are heading for the exits now on, on those uh, long positions yeah mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. so a lot of liquidation pressure in here right now i would imagine if if they're just now heading for the exits that uh <laughs> buying back in might be a bit of a tough sell for a bit well uh, pro- probably i mean given the technical breakdown that uh, yeah. we're having and and uh, you know it's, it's kind of just rushed for the exits but at some point in time um you know we still have those bullish supply side fundamentals uh and while supplies aren't going to be as tight as we once thought they would be um mm-hmm. into 2023 or 2024 excuse me um they're still bullish so this market will present a buying opportunity for the investor eventually um, but we have to get to that point and, and more near-term pain is likely just based on the technical breakdown that we're seeing sure. now sure that makes sense um i've known you in the past to keep a pretty close eye on the meat case at the local grocer there is that still a habit of yours 
Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, we have, we have most of the, we have all our beef and, and a lot of our pork and, and stuff, but, uh, I, I still keep an eye on prices. Yeah. Obviously, uh, consumer trends are, are yeah. important. Uh, mm-hmm. the inflationary environment while inflation is back down, um, you're, we're still passing through, uh, near record, uh, beef prices to the consumer. And, and so that's a concern on that front, uh, pork relatively cheap uh in comparison to, to beef um and then poultry uh, obviously there's uh, three major meat uh competitors in in the meat case and and uh competing for a a tightening consumer dollar because of the inflationary environment so uh you know we still had to work through all that and, and that isn't going to go away like i said the the inflation is back down but uh, the consumer is still being squeezed mm. A surge in wholesale values, including a $15 jump in bellies, uh, nets us 50 cents for the December contract in the lean hogs. Yeah, so uh, those those big moves day to day on the pork cutout, uh, you know, you just don't uh, see them sustained typically. I think I was what we're ask seeing you about is that. That the, the wholesale yeah. pork price. Yeah, yeah no, the, they typically aren't sustained. Um, but the wholesale pork market, I think that the key there is that the the cutout is, is kind of stabilizing around current levels. Um, you know, the wholesale beef prices, we've got choice back down just above $300 again, which has been an area of support. Um, select uh, 275, mid 270s, uh, that's been an area of support. And, and so we're testing those levels in beef. We've kind of stabilized in the pork and, and we'll have to see how the, the year ends up uh um, you know, from a, a consumer demand perspective. Uh, but, uh, um, I, you know, I, I don't think it's disaster by any means on, on the meat side of things. Uh, mm-hmm. but my biggest concern, like I said, is just the consumers being squeezed. Um, yeah. you have to eat, but, uh, um, when inflation is involved, uh, you find cheaper protein sources or the cheapest protein sources typically. So if I'm a cattle guy, I'm watching fat cattle, um, decline i'm watching feeder cattle down i got corn down and i got beans down if i'm a feed buyer even in the hogs here i don't i'm really not in the mood to buy any feed just yet i would i would be inclined to let her run a little bit yeah well uh on the corn side of things it looks like uh we probably will face some more near-term price pressure uh the meal side uh meal continues to show strength and and so um that's probably the biggest concern you would you would probably want to see your meal price back down before you extend your coverage there on corn you'd, you'd want to see the bottom uh market show signs of a bottom before extending yeah um, i'm getting little electric shocks from my clock let me just ask you it's okay to say no can you stick around for the for the final segment with us so we'd be sure when we get it all covered are you good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that's fine. Oh, right on. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that that allows us to to dig in um a little bit more on the corn and soybeans side. Um the close in the December corn contract looked a little bit ugly to me below initial resistance if I'm looking at it right. Um is this a technically damaging day for the corn market? It is from when you look at it from a closing perspective. This is the the lowest close that we've had in uh, quite some time. Um, it's probably okay. like close to a year and a half in in that December contract. You'd have to go back to to find a close lower uh, than this point. So, um, yeah, technically damaging. While we didn't take out support uh, at the absolute low um, that was posted earlier um, in September on the nineteenth. At uh, let's see, four sixty-seven and three quarters. Um, you know, just above it on, in that 
you know, that low range close that we had today is, is technically damaging. So if we take out that mm -hmm. September low, um, then you open up more downside risk at that point in time. You're, you, you know, you're probably talking 450, just use mm -hmm. round numbers and, and below that it'd be 425. And, and while I'm throwing these numbers out there, and I, I think that they're probably too cheap, um, we just don't have the demand base right now that, that tells us that, uh, Hey, Hey trader, this this thing is is too cheap at the moment, and and mm -hmm. that's probably what we need to see happen. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we have some logistics issues still on the Mississippi River. Uh, it's the prime soybean shipping season, and what we've seen is that uh, corn and wheat shipments have been pushed to the back burner, uh, so that we can push as many soybeans out as possible from a seasonal standpoint right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, getting back to corn, there's there's a long way to fall here. You know, Chip, I'm sure he he gave you the same lesson on day one of employment at Pro Farmer, but don't get more bearish as the market goes down. I just don't feel like getting more bullish as this corn market goes down, Brian. Well, no, like I said, we have to either have an event that's that's bullish that turns prices or we have to have the demand side say, hey, prices are cheap enough. And, and we haven't had either of those yet. And, and so we'll see. Um, you know, there's a report coming up, obviously, on Thursday. And, and yep. so there's potential there. But uh, I just don't think um, November typically isn't a month where we see a lot of major changes and the pre-report expectations sure aren't pointing that direction. So uh, I doubtful that 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 would provide something. The next likely event uh would be something with that uh concern on on the real concern with the uh the brazilian crop or the argentine mm -hmm. crop and and um you know let's just look and, and at it realistically that brazil's first season corn crop um is about 25 percent or one quarter of their total production that safrina crop is about three quarters of, of their production and oh, and so okay. um that's still a ways off that's a story that that won't be uh necessarily told until after we get through the soybean harvest so we still have some time before that unfolds i'm vibing from you that you feel like soybeans position is less tenuous than corns is right now is that fair absolutely absolutely and, and if for no other reason uh the meal market uh, like I said, meal meal is strong right now. It's strong technically. Um, you know, we have real good demand because of the Argentine drought situation last year. Um, we're seeing uh, more meal demand for the United States, and and uh, just I, I think for that alone, uh, soybeans has some other reasons, in my opinion. Obviously, the uh, record crop in in Brazil uh, could still be a record, like I mentioned earlier, but it's not going to be as big as what what everybody thought it would be originally. So we're starting to shave some off there. Uh, the U.S. balance sheet is relatively tight and uh, could tighten some more, depending on what we do with uh, uh, demand as as we move forward through twenty three twenty four here and those types of things. So I think soybeans are are much better positioned than than corn is at the moment. Uh, corn and wheat are are they're they're struggling um you know struggling to find their footing hmm. that's brian grady editor of pro farmer we have talked through worldish stuff in black swans we've talked about uh the grains here in the united states we got reports coming up on thursday i want to take just a few more moments of brian's time pick his brain about his expectations the trade expectations and how big a deal this report is to the markets right here on agritalk to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. 
FullScale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about FullScale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Hands up, who misses old Van Halen? There's nothing wrong with Van Hagar. I feel like they're two different bands. But man, that old Van Halen stuff really hits, doesn't it, sometimes? Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Let me bring in Brian Grady before the show completely comes to an end uh, Brian, we, uh, we've been talking today about big stuff. We've been talking about the markets and we haven't really taken the opportunity to preview the reports coming out on Thursday. I have here in my calendar. Um, what are we, what are we looking for in these reports coming up, Brian? Well, uh, not a whole lot, Davis, to be honest with you. I mean, That's a slight uptick in the, uh, the corn production estimate is what's anticipated, uh, slight, um, downtick almost steady in, in soybean production. Uh, probably the number that, that has the potential to move markets the most cotton production, in my opinion. I, I think that, uh, um, we could see that, uh, that number back off a little bit more than what the average trade estimate is. And, and we don't talk about cotton a lot on here, but uh, uh, should be a, a relative yawner for, for both corn and soybeans. We'll see. Um, now, interestingly, you know, the, we went down in, in September and October. So down both of the first, uh, uh, the next two months after those uh, first estimates uh, for corn and soybeans from, from USDA. Mm-hmm. So you would think that uh, both of those would, trend down again but history tells us that that's not the case uh the november is kind of a, a just a, a crapshoot uh when it comes to the production estimates and, and the yields uh from usda hmm. even in in years when you're you're trending down uh both of those uh next two months after the initial estimate in august so um i guess it either way it up or down just a little bit uh probably is is the direction that we'll see on crop size for both corn and soybeans from what I'm hearing, and I I spoke with Dr. La- Michael Langemeyer from Purdue earlier today, and I just asked him how are the how does how does corn and bean harvest seem to be looking in Indiana, and it seems like they're fairly pleased. Somewhere around APH, not as bad as expected. A lot of a lot of farmers I'm hearing better than expected. At some point, do you think we're we're going to see a surprise yield come out of USDA, even if it's a few months down the road? Uh, so we get the November number obviously on Thursday, and then we get the mm-hmm. final number in January. Uh, there's no production estimate in December, so we're we're down to the final two. Um, you know, history says that when you're down in in September and October, uh, while November may be a crapshoot, uh, the the January number gets a little bit smaller. So, um, you know, it's it's been all over the board. A lot of variability. We saw that during crop tour, and and it's carried out through harvest. And and so there are some good spots. The guys in Indiana probably in general are pretty 
pretty satisfied. Um, same with Ohio out in the Eastern belt, um, in, uh, Illinois and, and, uh, it's areas in the, the Western side of the, the corn belt that, uh, where the more disappointments were this year, uh, obviously how the, uh, the drought situation played out and those types of things. Well, and I remember very specifically you talking about that Eastern belt crop and a comment that you made a number of times was it started off it didn't necessarily have a better season of it, but it started off in better shape as far as soil moisture goes. Uh, I And I think when we look out to the west, they need to be doing some catch-up out there. It'd, it'd be great if they could get the snows to do it. I'm just not sure if the weather forecast holds it up. Hey, I wanted to ask you, um, you've been out on crop tour. You you, you brought it up um, several years now as Eastern Leg Director. Uh, does Does covering harvest... After being out in the field on the ground, does it sort of feel like sending a child off to college each year when we get to this point? <laughs> I, you know, so uh, obviously we we pull the data during crop tour. Uh, Pro Farmer puts out our estimates uh, in the third week of August, and and then you you kind of have to sit back and and watch and see how it all develops. So I, I do like to see the the harvest reports come in. I do like I to see USDA's estimates and how they change from month to month because we put out one estimate in, in the third week of August. Uh, Pro Farmer does, and and USDA gets to revise their number each month, and and so it is um, each year is unique about and. That. and yeah. uh, yeah, it's interesting to to just sit and and uh, kind of watch and and then get into the you know what the the numbers have told us over the years and and that's some of what I related there uh, with what to expect for for Thursday. But uh, um, you know, every year is a, a unique situation. Um, you know, as we go through on crop tour, we never know exactly how the crop will finish. We had a pretty good idea that it wasn't going to be a very good finish this year. Um, and I think that that played out. Um, but you never really know um, because Mother Nature can do some crazy things and, and things can change uh, from that third week of August and, until the finish line. But uh, uh, this year it was uh, pretty well told that it wasn't going to be a good finish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian, you've been more than generous with your time. I'm going to, I'm going to cut you loose here in just a second, but just, you know, we plug it at the bottom of the hour. We plug it whenever we can. Uh, profarmer.com, more market news every market day. And Brian, um, your perspective on the markets, your experience, your analysis is a big part of what makes Pro Farmers, um, Pro Farmers offerings so valuable. Uh, so listeners, if you're liking what you hear out of Brian Grady here, he's the big kahuna and I can, I can confirm. My man runs a tight ship, profarmer.com. Try profarmer.com. Brian, thanks, homie. I really appreciate you. Have a great day, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, man? Absolutely. Thanks, Davis. You bet. You bet. Okay, uh, Brian Grady from Profarmer. Once again, try profarmer.com. This guy, of all of us, really sweats over his analysis. It's, uh, it's, it's a thing to behold. National Weather Service. Climate Prediction Center, 6 to 10 day outlook this valid November 13 through the 17 shutdown day, November 17. We've got above normal temperatures across, uh, okay, I'm going to say the entirety of the United States. It's almost like a bullseye with the center the hottest of all. By the time we get out to the coasts, the west coast and the east coast are both expecting near normal temperatures in the 6 to 10 day. Uh, it's going to be dry out uh, let's see, all across the uh, the Corn Belt, clear down halfway across Texas, uh, a little wetter than usual in Southern California. That's your 6 to 10 day. Oh, and by the way, Alaska, 
above average heat expected and above average precipitation across nearly the entire state. Let's move on to the 8 to 14 day valid November 15 to 21. Uh, it's going to be hot. The uh, the heat moves eastward across the, uh, the country here. Uh, still a little near normal and even a little below normal on the west coast. Alaska, you are above normal almost across the board. Uh, nearly the entire country, including you, Alaska, 8 to 14 day precipitation outlook is above normal. Hey, Chip will be back from the port of South Louisiana tomorrow morning live on the ground. I'm your pal, Davis Michelson. Thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate you. Come back tomorrow for more AgriTalk.